Father of the King He's clothed in majesty All the earth rejoice All the earth rejoice He wraps himself in light Darkness tries to hide at his voice trembles at his voice how great is our God sing with me how great is our God and all will see how great how great is our God father in heaven 
Well, good morning, everybody. So good to see you. Uh, before we get started, just a, a little bit of a family business. Y'all know our, our sweet sister, Miss Mitzi. She's not here this morning. Uh, unfortunately, got a call from her this week. Uh, her husband, Maurice, if you'd ever met him, he'd been out here, uh, had a heart attack and passed away um, this week. And so please, please keep her in your prayers. But I also offer that with a bit of praise. I know Maurice knew the Lord. So let's look at it this way. He's better than any of us here this morning. That's what I tried to comfort her, but the loss obviously is still there. And then, man, our good friend, JJ. Jimmy, look at him over there. Jimmy Johnson, he, he ain't listening to me. Jimmy, wave to everybody. Jimmy's got a brand-new pacemaker, man. He's over here just that, that thing is going. 
Four days ago, yeah. But he said he couldn't miss being here with us. I, I tried to encourage him to do so, but uh, look at him still over there serving the Lord. So we thank you and uh, continue to pray for him. Well, our Station Church friends, we're uh, glad you're here. Uh, always my favorite Sunday of the month because you're here. That's some of my people. I love them and thank them for being here this morning. Uh, recap, before we get into last week's recap... I just want to remind you, and they should be out on the table today, the I Am Second bracelets. We've talked about that, our New Year message, about our attitude that we want to continue to put God first, uh, along with others, ourselves uh, second. And that if we armed ourselves with that attitude, man, what a wonderful place this city, uh, even spreading out into our county, our state, our nation, and into our world. So uh, grab one of those today uh, and just use it as a reminder. I said, even if you don't wear it, put it somewhere where you see it. So if you've been with us for a while, we've been in the book of Matthew. If you watched online, you've seen that. Last week, we talked about the calling of Matthew, right? This hated tax collector. And uh, the, the beauty of the story of when Jesus goes to Matthew, he says two words. He says, follow me, right? Anybody in the back remember that? Follow me. And it said that when Jesus said this to this hated tax collector, that Matthew was a beautiful, shining example of what we too should do. It says that he rose and he followed him. How beautifully simplistic that is, right? That he just followed Jesus when Jesus offers that call. And we pray that you do the same thing here today. If you've never heard that call of Jesus, that when you do, and he says, follow me, that you too rise and follow him. If you already have accepted that call, that you fall back in love with that calling, right? And then Jesus added the thing after this. He calls Matthew, and as the religious leaders often do, they come to Jesus and they said, now, uh, uh, actually to the followers of Jesus, they said, why does your teacher have dinner with the tax collectors and sinners? Can I just stop? I'm so glad he did, right? I I'm in that boat. You're in that boat. And that's who Jesus came. In fact, he even kind of, if I'm honest, maybe, maybe a little bit of holy sarcasm, talks to these self-righteous Pharisees and knowing what they said, and he says, I didn't come for the righteous, maybe, a.k.a. the self-righteous like you. I came for the sick. I came for those that desperately know they can't do it on their own, that they need a Savior. I'm him, Right? I came for those that are sick. It's not the well that go to the doctor. And so that's what we're coming out of. We'll go into another portion of Matthew today, but that's the setting kind of where we're at. So today, we're going to get another set of questions to Jesus. Jesus is always being questioned. Why are you doing things the way that you're doing? Because it's absolutely different from anything they had ever seen, right? kind of upside down mentality this kingdom mindset that is so just counterculture right it still is today in fact if you find yourself blending in too much of the world in our church life or whatever something's off right he didn't call us uh to to do that right he called us to stand out and to be different that light uh on a hill as he refers to at times but this question is going to come from a well-meaning group of people. It's going to come from some followers of John the Baptist, and they're going to ask Jesus a, a very important question because if you remember John's ministry, he is the one that is preparing the way, right? It's almost a description of John's life, the forerunner of Jesus Christ, that he is the, the voice crying out in the wilderness, this bearded fellow that if you look at our beautiful friend Brian, probably looked a lot like him, right, except with camel hair and locusts and all that 
crazy other stuff that maybe Brian does, maybe he doesn't. I don't know. You can't ever trust a guy that looks like – no, I'm just kidding. You can't. But, right, this wild kind of looking fella, and people would see him, and he is his whole mission is prepare the way of Jesus, right? Prepare the way of the Lord. In fact, it, it said that when, uh, I believe it was in John, John the Baptist is sitting there, and Jesus walks by, and he simply says a statement like this. By the way, John the Baptist said it gained this Im- immense following. People are out there, they're listening to his messages, he's baptizing people, but what does he do? He takes the attention off of him, it never really was, off his ministry, and he says, behold, the lamb that takes away the sins of the world, right? Like, that's what it's about, that is who it is about. And so these disciples of John the Baptist, they've been all about preparing the way for Jesus, I want to give you a little side note here. I want to take the pressure off of your life of being a follower of Jesus. And you say, man, I know I'm called to go, right? That's the, the big command Jesus gave is to go and to make disciples. I want to take the pressure off. You cannot save anyone. You can't. You couldn't save yourself. I could not save myself. There is a need for the Savior, but here is what you can do. You can prepare the way, right? That's what our job is about, prepare the way for Jesus, just like John the Baptist in a sense, not for his coming, but for the preparation for people to receive him as Lord and Savior. And so that's where we're at today. These followers that have been preparing the way, they go to Jesus and they ask an important question. And it was a question that they really didn't understand why Jesus did some things that he did and honestly why he didn't do some of the things that he saw others doing. Here's the passage today we'll read, uh, pray, and then discuss just for a few moments. So Matthew chapter 9, starting at verse 14, it says, Then the disciples of John, he's speaking of John the Baptist, came to him, Jesus, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but you and your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth from an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. It is the skins that burst, and the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both are preserved. Maybe some words in there. It's like, what in the world, Jesus, are we talking about? We'll try to do our best to unpack that and uh, pray through together. So let's pray. Father, we pray that you give understanding uh, this morning. Holy Spirit, I I believe this with all my heart. You don't need me to explain. Uh, You you can speak to hearts directly. And so we pray that your voice is the loudest out here. But God, you've given me a word, and so we trust that's from you. But Holy Spirit, we ask you continue to speak in that process, that you be the loudest voice uh, out here today in each and every heart and soul. And so we pray and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the setting. Jesus had just called Matthew. Now he's been accused hanging with tax collectors and sinners and this misfit kind of ragamuffin, you know, community that he's building. And again, I'm so glad that he did. But I want to tell you here, I don't believe the primary question is about fasting at all. 
I believe the primary question that John's disciples are asking, again, think about what they've been doing. They are the preparers of the way. The one that was to come, the Messiah that is coming, their job was to tell others the kingdom of God is at hand. I think the primary question that they're asking, are you really him? Right? They, they've asked it a few times and they will again in scripture. Are you really the one? In fact, one time Jesus tells them in Scripture, just go tell John all that you've seen and heard, right? The feeding of the 5,000, you know, raising people to life, healing people, that a paralytic that was raised down through the roof, right? All of these things. Just go and tell them what you've seen and heard and what Jesus is saying, that'll be enough for John. John will know that I am the Christ. And so keep in mind, that's really their primary question. And this is the guy they've been preparing the way for. And in fact... I believe that here, when they're talking about, they said this, we fast, right? Jesus, why are you not doing this? Why is your disciples? In fact, if you go back, Jesus has already taught about fasting. And so they've got to have the mindset, Jesus, we've heard you teach about fasting, yet we never see you guys do it. Why don't you and your disciples fast like we do, or even the Pharisees? Okay, so here's what I want to do before we even go further. I want to stop just for a moment because there's always so much confusion over fasting. I'm not the, the greatest at this. I, I want to just tell you it's not always about food. That's the first thing we go to, right? But let's be honest. Back then, they didn't have social media. They didn't have their favorite television show. They didn't have a, a car that they really loved. There wasn't a whole lot to fast for them, right? I mean, in their day and time, this was primarily about food, but it's really any voluntary going without for the sole purpose of bringing honor and glory to God and drawing closer to Him. That's what fasting is. So if for you, and it might be an easy week to do it, Jennifer, I don't want to call you out, but it might be an easy week to fast from Alabama football, right? Oh, my God, yeah. Everybody's, some of us in mourning, some of us are clapping. You decide which, which camp you're in. All right, roll tide for me. But I'll tell you this, maybe I prayed a little more this week over some things. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't, I didn't pray about that. But whatever it is you need to fast from, maybe it is a TV show, maybe it is social media, maybe it is whatever, I will tell you this, there is no need, hello, there is no need, nor is it holy, to go on social media and post, I'm about to fast from social media. Just fast from it. <laughs> you don't have to make an announcement. It's okay, right? We're going to miss you, but you don't have to let everybody know. It's all right. You don't have to wear a certain T-shirt and let everybody know. Fasting, right? We, it, it, Jesus has already spoke about this. In fact, I'll, I'll share in a minute of what he says when we fast. But no matter what it is, a hobby, your phone, social media, anything, but the key is fasting from that and replacing that time with focusing on God. So what that means is if you're a doom scroller and you're sitting there just scrolling and you're scrolling and saying, I really need to fast from this. Don't fast from that and then sit on the couch and say, man, I'm going to you know, binge Breaking Bad, right? Like, it's a replacing that time with, here's what I would be doing, and maybe I'll grab my phone and scroll, but how about scrolling through the book of John? How about scrolling through the Psalms? How about praying? How about turning on some worship music? A fast is to bring you closer, all right? Very important to remember that. Whatever you give up to replace with that, that uh, spiritual exercise of fasting. 
But here's where people mess up. And the church has caused this. When I say the church, I don't mean the church at Southside. I don't mean the station church. I mean the church of Jesus Christ, the bride of Christ. We have taken fasting and put it in some spiritual exercise along with a lot of other things as if we are gaining more approval or love from a holy God. Pressure off. We at this place are trying our best to live in a life in our religious hearts of taking Jesus at his words when he said it on the cross. It is finished. There is no more you have to do except believe in faith. You can't make him love you any more than he does. There is no greater love than when a man lays down his life for his friend. A man has done that for you for redemption's price, to get things back the way they were on your first page of your Bible before sin enters the picture. That is what Jesus came for. We talked about it on Christmas. The manger was for the cross. He came for redemption's story, and we believe it is finished. So do not fast to earn approval. Do not fast to earn more love. Do not fast to make yourself feel good. Fast to replace that whatever it is with a closer relationship with God because you desire that and he desires that and you want to be close with him. Everybody tracking with that this morning? Not to earn approval, not to have some special place in heaven. Pressure's off. You're, you're in. If you know him, you're in. Now, if not, that's a wonderful place to start. That same call that was offered to Matthew is offered to you today. Jesus says, follow me. And so the church has messed that up. Uh, Christ's sacrifice, I'll tell you this, either paid it all or it didn't. So don't try. Don't take that gift and say, well, I, I got to add a little. There, there are no bonus points in the kingdom of heaven. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. You are the pinnacle of his creation. And you say, man, I'm nothing but a dope addict. Pinnacle of his creation. Man, I prostituted myself out last night pinnacle of God's creation I don't care what you've done it's more about what Jesus has done than what you have done or ever will do amen that's the goodness of God I can't explain it except that grace is an unmerited favor that we do not deserve all right and so here we go back to John's disciples I'm going to assume that knowing what we've read about John the Baptist, that they are fasting in a spiritually appropriate way. In fact, they're probably fasting and praying, God, send the Messiah. That's what they were about, preparing the way. God, we pray, and we pray it's going to be glorious. Did they understand everything? Probably not. But they're asking and they're begging God and they're pleading with God so much so that they would say, I'm going to set food aside or I'm going to set this or, or that aside and I'm going to focus on my prayer life and God, will you please, please send the Messiah. Now the one that they think is the Messiah, they see him come and they see him teach on fasting. They've been fasting, longing for this and they say, uh, we, head stretcher here, we've kind of noticed uh, you teach about fasting, but you don't fast, and your disciples don't fast. What's up? That's what, they're, that's what they're really getting at. But then they also bring up this, and I just want to kind of say, maybe even John's disciples know that something's not quite right on the Pharisees. They're very religious dudes, right? Like they are so judgmental. They, they do all these things, and Jesus is even calling them whitewashed tombs, like they're pretty on the outside, dead on the inside. Like the cup, clean on the outside, dirty on the inside. All of these things, this brood of vipers. Jesus wasn't too fond of most of the Pharisees, right? 
Not saying there weren't some good ones, but most of them, he really, if you want to see him mad, watch his interactions with the Pharisees. I'm just going to go on and speculate that as John's disciples say this, heck, even the Pharisees do it, right? Like, Jesus, we think you're the Messiah. You and your disciples don't fast. We fast. Even the Pharisees fast. But I have to go back to the Sermon on the Mount. Listen to what Jesus says, and I'm just going to assume that most, not all, most Pharisees were in this count. When you fast, don't make yourselves look sad like the hypocrites. They put a look of suffering on their faces so that people will see that they are fasting. Uh, I just want to say maybe you've encountered or maybe, God forbid, like me, in your past, maybe you had a Pharisee past. I, I've shared that before, that before God called us to this and broke our hearts in a lot of ways, I probably resembled a Pharisee more than I did anybody else, keeping all these rules and checking the boxes so that God would love me more. God help me, that's where I was at. But I'm, I'm proud to say he's broke me free of that, but it still raises its head sometimes. I still can get that mindset. But God forbid we've been this person or met someone like this and they look all doom and gloom and this is what Jesus is saying. You go up to him, man, what's wrong? <sighs> I'm fasting. That's your reward right there. Jesus has said that so many times. It's like your, your long prayers, your hypocrite ways, all this stuff. If you're doing it for man's attention, by God, that's what you got. Just save it. Don't bring yourself through the pain of a fast or any kind of sacrifice. If you're doing it for man, it doesn't count. So just don't do it. But now if you want to reach a place, say, God, I want to be so close to you. What can I do? Maybe he calls somebody out here today. I want you to fast from this. Maybe consider doing that. With the mindset, I may not tell anybody. Now, it's, it's a good idea if you're married Hey, mention to your spouse. It's okay. You're one anyway. Mention to your spouse. Hey, just so you know, like if it's food, that takes away any awkward conversations. I, I've, I've seen people do that before. Oh, oh no, I, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And then they keep pushing food on. That way you don't get into that. Just, hey, listen, I'm going to go through a whatever day fast. Leave it at that. You don't have to tell anybody else. Like you can let it go. It's between you and God. You don't have to tweet about it. You don't have to do any of that stuff. Just let it go and just do it in private, right? That it's between you and God because it's to draw each other closer. And so uh, that's what Jesus is saying here, right? That these hypocrites, they do it to be seen. And, if, you know, why are you so doom and gloom? Well, I'm on a fast for the Lord, right? No need to do it. Just, just keep that. Just let it go. And so we get back to this, and John's disciples are asking Jesus, you teach on it, we do it, the Pharisees do it, why don't you do it? And here's Jesus' response. This is where I said it could kind of get a little tricky. Some of these words, it's like we're not used to using. But here's the parable that Jesus uses, as he does many times, and he'll have a couple more parable statements. Instead of just a plain answer that sometimes we would love that he gave back then, guess what? He still does it today. Sometimes we would love that plain yes or no and sometimes it's a series of events that teaches us but here's how he answers can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them i want to stop for just a second a side note a lot of times today and even more so back then people would fast when they were in periods of mourning great hardship 
And so Jesus is drawing this comparison of grief and mourning and all these things. But here is Jesus' simple answer found in this parable, okay? And he's going to have a couple more in just a second, but a simple answer. Think about who they're talking to. It's God. It's God in the flesh, the, the one who took on human flesh. By the way, again, if you're new, not a panicked meeting in heaven when we sin. It was always the plan. In fact, it, it is even much more of a love story that God created us knowing we would screw it up on page one of our Bible. And it was always redemption's plan to come and set things back right. That's the greatest love story ever told. I know some of you out here think the notebook is it. I know some of you think, man, this novel, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the greatest love story ever told. He paid redemption's price. And so they're talking to God in the flesh. He is the Messiah they've been waiting on. He is the one that their souls have longed for. When they would fast and when they would pray to a holy God, would you send the Messiah? He is that person, right? And so Jesus is basically saying this. He was in his redemption. And he's saying, why should they? Why should they fast? One, you don't get any closer to God the Father than Jesus is. In fact, John 17, he prays that same kind of closeness for you and I. Did you know that Jesus prays for you? He prays for his disciples back in John 17. It's called the high priestly prayer. And when he does, he also says, not just them, but the ones that will listen to their word. He's praying for you. And here's what he prays. Father, that they be one like you and I are one. You can't get no more one than the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, right? All these different, you know, ways that we relate, but yet the same, right? The triune God. And he says, let them be one like we are one. And so Jesus is telling John's disciples, he said, why should they fast? I'm here. You can't get any closer. Listen. We believe this about God. We walk with God, right? We try our best as followers of Christ to walk with God. Y'all, they literally walked with God. So Jesus is telling them, it's like, why do they need to fast? I'm here. You can't get no closer to God in this. They are literally every day breaking bread with the Son of God, walking and healing people and, and, and preaching and, and teaching and all of these things. You can't get closer to God. I'm going to take you back to the idea of fasting. It's all an attempt to be closer to God, to walk with Him. Done. They don't need to fast. But listen to what he says. The days will come, the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. What he's saying? He said, the day's coming. You know what, Jesus? I mean, man, listen, y'all probably get tired of me talking about it. It's okay. I'm going to talk about it probably again when we're in the Gospels. The Chosen is one of the best representations I've ever seen of Jesus on the screen. And here's one of my favorite moments. It's the wedding at Cana. Jesus is about to turn water to wine. And I'd never thought about it until I saw that show. He has a moment where he's standing over that water filled in those, in those vases. And he sends people out of the room. This is extra biblical. It's just, it's in this show. I'm just telling you, but I believe there was a moment like this. And Jesus is standing over that. And you can tell there's this moment of contemplation. This is about to set everything in motion. He even tells his mom, his, his mother Mary comes to him and says, they're out of wine. He's like, why do you come to me about this? This ain't my party. 
right? And in The Chosen, it's a beautiful, like the mom kind of looks at him like, come on, you're Jesus. I know you can handle this. He says, it's not my time. But he goes ahead and does it. And when he's standing there in that moment of that scene, he's standing there and he's like, this is about to set everything in motion. What do I mean? The cross. He knows that. He knows it in this moment when he's talking to John's disciples and he says this, why do they need to fast? The bridegroom is here. But one day the bridegroom will be taken away. Then they will fast. What's he talking about? The cross. He knows that the cross is coming. He knows that he will be placed in a borrowed tomb. He knows three days later he'll arise. He knows that for a short time he'll walk with them physically again. And then he's going to ascend, giving the command, go and make disciples. That's when they'll fast because I won't be here. But one day there'll be a reuniting. That's when they'll fast. There's no need to fast right now. I'm here, but one day they will. He gives two more quick parable-type explanations, and this is where the weird part, you know, piece of unshrunk cloth and new wine into old wineskins. What in the world, Jesus, are you talking about? I believe both of them relate to the new covenant, the new way of life, the life that is unfolding before their very eyes. By the way, a new covenant, but it's really the covenant that was always talked about. From the first page of the Bible, there will be one come that defeats the enemy. It's Jesus. Jesus was always the way. The Old Testament, it was a faith looking towards Jesus, right? The New Testament church, Jesus was there. They saw him, so they were able to look directly at him. And then us in the age of the church, we look back. It's all always been about faith in God through Jesus Christ, through the promised Messiah, the Messiah they saw in person, or the Messiah that we read about. And so both of these relate to that new covenant. I'll talk about the unshrunk cloth. I believe that back then, I mean, like everything, cloth was expensive, right? I can go back and hear stories of my dad talking about, and this is a typical old person thing to say, right? Uh, all you guys with your fancy holes in your jeans, he's like, we used to be embarrassed about that, right? And mom and dad would put patches on it, and we'd be embarrassed that we had to patch, but that's what they did. It was cheaper to patch those jeans than to go out and buy a new pair that they couldn't afford. Now we buy them with holes already in them. Go figure, right? But we get to that place and it says this, that, that cloth was expensive, much more cost effective to do this, but you had to have the right patch to match. If you use the wrong material, this unshrunken cloth that they were talking about, if you didn't use it and it didn't repair it right, it was of no use and it wouldn't accept the repair, right? And so it's very much a, an idea of Jesus here saying, repairing this old garment, the old ways. Jesus is coming, not bringing religion. He's bringing relationship. It never was supposed to be about religion, but man had taken it and they had made this thing. And he's like, what I'm bringing, if you put it in this, it's not going to fit. You see, here's the beautiful thing about Jesus. I want everybody to pay attention to this. Jesus is not here to mend the old ways. He's here to make all things new. He's in the process of it right now. I believe that, that one day, everything that was lost at Eden, and even better yet, to make it more personal, I want you to take this to heart. Everything that you've lost in Christ, one day you'll get back. That means loved ones. That means any kind of sickness, any kind of hardships or whatever. He's keeping score. 
Life isn't fair. We're in a broken world. And God forbid, I say this all the time, don't let something happen in your life where a cancer comes up to somebody you love or a, a loved one passes or, or any of this. You say, well, it was God's will. No, it wasn't. God's will was perfection in the garden. We chose that way. We chose our own way. And he was gracious enough to say, I'm going to buy it back and set it back to that again. But sin... The temptation to sin, locked up forever. My friend out here, and I'm going to tell you, I mean this with all my heart. You can be an addict and love Jesus. Does he want a better way? Absolutely. But my friend that's an addict, and I pray the day comes this side of glory. But I can tell you one thing's for sure. One day, not only will you not sin, you won't even have the temptation to. Because all things good is what we're going to be about. You say, man, I don't know a reason to give my heart to Jesus. How about that? That the temptation won't even be there. You're going to be focused on everything that is good and holy and right. You can't do that now. Sin's going to creep up. There's going to be things that happen, but one day you will because my Jesus, your Jesus, is in process right now. Everything new. It says it right now that behold, I am making in the process of all things new. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. And we get to be a part of it. And then my wine drinker's out here. He gets into using... We know Jesus is about wine. That was his first miracle, right? Turn the water to wine. So my folks would say, man, Jesus didn't drink. It was grape juice. Ah, they said it was the best wine they'd ever had. It was kind of worried about folks getting drunk. I've never been drunk off of Welch's. You notice that little pause there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I've never been drunk off Welch's, but they seem to be worried about it. So Jesus is using this wine. Take that for what you want. Apologize to my Southern Baptist friend. I'm back from that background, but God bless uh, the new wine and old wineskins. Here's what he says. The new wine will expand and burst the old wineskins. New wine demands new wineskins. Right? That's not something that we're accustomed to. That's not something that we're used to. But what is happening here is Jesus is the new wine. The old wine was man going the self-righteous route. You've made your own set of rules. You've tried to create and fashion your own God that you've got to find this approval. You've got to check all the boxes. There's new wine here. By the way, it was always the wine. You just missed it. The new wine is here, and I need new wineskins to put it in because you can't handle what I'm about to do. It's going to burst the old system apart. There's no need for it. There's no need for the priest. There's no need for all of these things that you couldn't keep. By the way, the law was given to show you and me that we couldn't do it on our own. We can't live to that standard of holiness. And Jesus is not doing away with that law. Simply, he said, I came to fulfill it because you couldn't. I'm doing it for you. I'm going to live this thing perfectly. I'm going to be the Holy One. I'm going to lay down my life. So faith was always the, law, always the way the law was given to show we needed that. We need redemption and salvation that we cannot, we cannot attain on our own. An old wine skin cannot accept the grace of the new wine Jesus was about to offer. It needed a new vessel. In other words, a new heart. Your old religious heart can't take that new wine of Jesus' grace and mercy. But praise God, if we give our heart and life to Him, it says that we are a new creation. 
a new wineskin to take the new wine. We've been set free. We've been redeemed. We understand the old laws, the old ways that we thought. They don't apply to us. Grace is covered. Anybody think that's good news this morning? That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so here's what I want to say in closing this morning. Uh, go back to the idea of fasting. In fact, just bow your heads with me. Close your eyes just a second. I just want you to pray this uh, about fasting. Should you do it? Pray that privately right now. God, what is it that you would want me, if there's anything, maybe not. But Jesus, what would you want me to give up right now that would bring me closer to you? And can I just stop right here for a second? I want you to think of this. That's not some kind of sinful activity. He, he is never going to call you to fast from a sinful activity. That, that's not what we're talking about here. That would be repentance. I, I'm doing this, and I know I don't need to. I should be doing that, but I'm not. Repentance is, I'm not going to do that. I'm turning. We're not talking about fasting from that. Fasting from something that may even be good or indifferent. But I'm going to replace that with time with you, God. So what would he have you fast from? We'll pray about that privately and see what God says. But I will challenge you this. Do not, do not fast to earn his favor. I'm here to tell you good news. In Jesus' name, you already got it. Let's thank him for that. Amen. Father, we just thank you this morning. We pray uh, a blessing over every heart and soul that is here this morning. Father, if there is somebody that doesn't know you, man, I pray that you just have already whispered that call, maybe even yelled it for those of us that need that. Follow me. And that like last week, we would take Matthew's example and just rise and follow you. So help us with that. We need you. If we've already accepted that call, then I pray that today speaks to our heart, that we're not trying to uh, deal with the, the old wine skin here and trying to, you know, force new wine. Jesus, we would take you at your word, that we would at times that you lead us to fast and draw closer to you, whatever that may be. That's different for every single individual. And so... Speak that over our hearts today, but most importantly, Jesus, just remind us that we are loved, we are seen, and not forgotten, that you value us so much that you laid down your life. Father, if there's somebody here, I hear it all the time out here, and it breaks my heart, but there's a lot of people that have come through these gates and said, I, I just never felt love. Will you let that love just capture them today and let them know that they are loved, not just by people here, That that's as shallow as it could be i mean we try but we're human we'll make mistakes we'll let people down but jesus your love is eternal and again laid down your life uh, there's not much more of a love story than that and so jesus we thank you we need you i pray your blessings over uh every heart and soul that is here today bring us into relationship if we're not if we are draw us closer to you we pray and we ask this in jesus name amen